0: This is Ashley Stone, and you're listening to The Comeback Podcast. Allie Essig found herself rushing to the ER to see her 37-year-old husband slumped over in a wheelchair, looking like he had aged 50 years. She found out he was having a stroke. The doctors gave no answers as to why, but told them to follow a heart-healthy diet from here on out. Allie's dad had died of a heart attack at just 55 years old a few years before, and she didn't want to take any chances, so she researched and prayed a lot. She felt strongly that she needed to follow the entire word of wisdom, especially the part where it says eat meat sparingly and eat more whole plant foods. Her husband's health improved significantly, and Allie later became a nutritionist and started PlantWise to help others find plant-powered wellness for themselves and their family, You can get her free meal guide by going to plantwise.com, P-L-A-N-T-W-H-Y-S.com, or clicking on the link in our show notes below.
1: I uh, grew up in southern Utah. Loved that. You know, my parents, just amazing parents. Love them to death. Uh, They have their struggles like the rest of us, but amazing parents that were just such good examples. So that made it really easy. Grew up there, left on a mission when I was 19, kind of just followed the, I would say the expected path for most boys in the church. And went on a mission, I would say about, I don't know, between three and five months into my mission, it, I went to Louisiana and I loved it down there. You know, we started to hear all these things. You start to like, people that know way more about the history of the church than I did for sure at the time would ask us these questions and my my mission companion you know, would be like, ah, ignore it. It's no big deal. It's probably just lies. And then I went to my mission president and I know I emailed that a little bit to you about that through our email correspondence, but went to my mission president was like, Hey, you know, I'm hearing all these things about the church. You know, what are you, what are your thoughts? And he, he's such a great guy, Elder Borgquist. He just said, you know, most of it's probably not true. The rest of it's just trying to make the church look bad. I'd forget about it. And I've never, I've never been one to just, and, and I think a lot of people are like this, just to kind of believe what they're told. And so I thought, well, I'm going to look more into this. Like there's, there seems to be more to the story. I remember one guy specifically. He was a preacher at a, at a, I don't remember if it was a Pentecostal church or what it was, but he was really nice to us, but brought up a lot of concerns. And he said, hey, you should read this book, No Man Knows My History, by Fawn Brody. Short background on her: Fawn Brody, she left the church and really was considered one of kind of the original, if you want to call it, anti-Mormons. She didn't love the church. So we hear that term anti-Mormon, and we think that it's got to all just be false. When At least when I was growing up, I say we. I should speak only for myself. I thought, oh, you know, it's just a bunch of haters that don't love the church or want to make it look bad. But in reality, a lot of it's not anti-Mormon. It's just Mormon history or Mormons. Like, it's just things that have happened. And uh, she explains a lot of that in her book. A more I forget the guy's name. He was a more recent church historian that wrote... Uh, a biography on Joseph Smith, and it was similar to hers. Uh, I liked hers a little bit more rough,
0: rough stone rolling it is
1: rough stone rolling, yep, that's the one um rough stone rolling, and I read that one, and I liked hers more, but you kind of have to to weed out her opinions versus what she kind of presents as the facts, and then you when she gives all of her facts, which a lot of them I think are just you know they are what they are you have to try and make sense of those and kind of come to some sort of conclusion on your own, what you're going to think or believe in any sort of uh, in in any given instance. So I read that book on my mission. I read under the banner of heaven, I think his last name's crack and then uh, leaving the church and finding my faith. Um, they were kind of like three original, really antagonistic books towards the church. And so I, I wanted to kind of understand that side and where they came from. And then I started to dig a little deeper and then I don't know, it was probably a year into my mission. I was like, Okay, you know, I I understood all that, but I had had enough powerful experiences, I think, in my life to be like, okay, I'm going to put this aside. It's not uh, a make or break uh, sort of thing right now. And so I kept serving, served a mission, came home, met Brooke and we got married. And that's almost 18 years ago now. Yeah, she uh, what an angel. I got lucky. Let's put it that way. So fast forward you know, 18 years, seven, seventeen 17 years from that point, And there's way more information, right? You know, over the last 10 years, you know, you hear about the CES letter. I'm not gonna go too far down that road because so many people probably already have. There's a lot of things in there that I think are worth looking into, but then there's so much, there's at least quite a bit of dishonesty in it as well. He didn't come up with all those things. He basically looked into a bunch of different things, issues that had brought up for 30, 40 years and kind of compiled it into a letter and sent it off to, you know, the CES, whoever he sent that letter to, and it became what it was. I read that, read uh, kind of everything under the sun that I could find. I was like, you know, I really want to, I want to try and understand just kind of everything. I'll say this, as I talk about these different things, I think that... The church didn't have bad intentions. I really believe that. I don't think the prophet, I don't think when Joseph Fielding Smith or F. Smith, I can't remember which one it was, cut out one of the versions of the first vision. I don't think his intentions were bad. I just think he wanted to promote faith, and he knew that may be a hindrance to faith. As we mature, when someone feels like they've been, you know, maybe treated like a kid, like when your stuff is hidden from you, you start to wonder and question, hey, like, why why not just let us have the information? And let us make sense of it, come what may, right? Put the information out there, let everyone have it, and then let the members, each one individually, decide what they think about those problems. And I think they've done a really good job about that, for the most part, you know, when there's things that I think we could do better.
0: This was about 2020, and I just, I think I remember that from your email, that it was, this was around the year 2020 that you were starting to go into all this stuff?
1: Yeah. So it was probably right near or just after COVID had started. I, if I remember, okay. right, I started to really dig deep and say, okay, I want to know everything. Like, if what it's out there. What was it that there, like,
0: triggered that? Was it like, you know, with COVID, how everybody just kind of like, I don't know, everyone was questioning everything during that time? Like, right. do you feel like it was that? Or like, was there something that happened that triggered your deep dive into this?
1: I don't think it had anything to do with COVID. It could have, like, right? The older I get, the more I realize that almost everything we hear is just one person's perspective. And we have to take that with a grain of salt, even if they have a PhD or a doctorate or whatever it may be. I mean, I've been doing my current profession for quite a long time now, but I don't have all the answers even. You have to take that with a grain of salt. But so, no, I don't think that that it had anything to do with COVID. I reread or listened to No Man Knows My History by Fawn Brody. So I was like, you know, I'm going to start there. And I guess I should back up a little bit. My wife, before that, or when whenever the Joseph Smith books came out, all of his history, like his journals or whatever, she started to read those, and she, you know, went through her personal little like had to had to make sense of and and find out how to be okay with uh, you know the problems with polygamy. Like with any woman, that kind of stunned a little bit for her.
0: I've shared about it on a couple of different episodes of the podcast. Like I was reading the Saints book and. I had my own time where I had to really reconcile some of the pieces of Joseph Smith and polygamy. But I mean, ultimately, I feel like it strengthened my faith. So hopefully it was the same outcome for your wife.
1: Yeah, I think so for sure. She is like the strongest person I've ever met. I mean, she's so gentle and kind, but she is like not a pushover. She is not uneducated. She wants to be well informed. And so she had to make sense of it. I don't know if it made it stronger because she always had such a strong faith, but I think she was more comfortable with her faith in that she was like, okay, you know what? I know more and I can still make sense of it and be okay with it. Instead of like, like when you're a kid, there's just so much you don't know. But once you get older, you become stronger. Once you know more things, even though those things are hard, sometimes she had to make sense of it. And those things are hard, especially if you at least, you know, understand the basics of it. People can really make you look stupid or feel stupid, especially if you're antagonistic towards the church. You're like, what do you mean? I don't I don't care about that. You know, it it just can make you feel thrown off. I don't know if it strengthened it, but it definitely made her more confident and comfortable the more she knew, and she just had to make at peace with those things. And how we've come to because we've talked a lot about that and we're like, you know, how do how do we make ends meet here and the most simple thing is that no one's perfect even the lord's chosen leaders in any given time uh there's there's no point in comparisons but i think it's worth noting that like when you look through the bible i mean it is like we think we have it tough like the pill we have to swallow with perceived past mistakes by leadership can we even imagine if if we had one of the apostles decided to sell president nelson for like forty dollars and they murdered him (laughs) You know what I mean? Like Judas. And I can't imagine the conversations that were probably had in that day. I guarantee you the members got together and they're like, well, hold on. And we thought that was Jesus. But if he was Jesus, wouldn't he have known better than to call Judas or Peter who denied him? We can cast stones all we want. That's not what I'm doing. But I am saying that the members of that time, I guarantee you they got together and were like, hold on here. You know, he said he was going to resurrect on the third day and he did, but he only showed up to certain people. I don't know. I just can imagine the day they were like, are we sure that was Jesus? And the antagonist would say, there's no way. Judas sold him for very little amount of money. Back to what we're talking about. Brooke and I had some in-depth conversations to decide how we made sense of it. And I think how we've made sense of it is this isn't doctrine, but it works for Brooke and I. We had to say, okay, he was obviously imperfect. And all of us are. I mean, I can't imagine if my life was like played out like the history of all the mistakes I've made and to some, they would be big mistakes and to some, they might be minor but to lots of people. If my life was played out and then if I were to ever be called the positions of trust within the church, um, how they could make me look so bad.
0: Yes, so, I got to tell you something really quick. Go ahead. For me, if somebody took my life and was like, I knew Ashley 11 years ago and she was, and listed out all the things that I did when I was like on drugs back in the day. And, you know, the people that knew me back then, I was awful. I would be horrified if anybody put all my past mistakes on display for the whole world to see. Anyways, I just I can't even imagine like if If we took anyone's life, especially like their younger years when they're young and dumb. And I mean, some people don't go through that, but I definitely did. (laughs) My husband did. And so I think if we put anybody's life on display and all of their imperfections, there's just so much that that can be said about anybody, you know?
1: Yeah. And there are, you know, I know some people that who who have uh, made, you know, I would say a lot less mistakes than me, and some people have made more. I always think back to when Jesus was at the well. He's like, all right, he didn't say whoever hasn't made this mistake. He just said, and if any of you don't have sins, go ahead and throw a stone. And so the one, the people that throw the stones, it's interesting to me. I feel like the most critical people I've ever met are one of two things. One, They usually have the least amount of reason to be critical. They usually have the most issues in their lives, yet they're sitting there throwing stones at everybody. And the people who that are most kind and understanding, Jesus, that have every right to accuse all of us and judge all of us, don't judge at all. The kindest, least judgmental people probably could have the most reason and the most self-righteousness if you want you know those are the people that don't judge the people that have maybe the most ability to be judgmental are are always the most graceful and not always i don't want to put i hate it when someone says always or never or you know Uh what i mean but it just seems like they're the most forgiving and understanding and an antagonist would say well you guys teach us harsh doctrines to certain groups and certain people's and all I ever hear is love. I hear us t- teach standards that we set, but beyond that, I just hear love and kindness. And that's that's a good thing to go over right now. When I was going through my, you know, we kind of call them struggles or really trying to find out if this is what I still wanted to do and to believe in, and I always felt like I did. But when I compared what I heard from the antagonistic point of view to what I saw within my, saw in my wife or my children or my parents or my brothers, or in my bishopric, or the release of when I compared what everyone was saying, the antagonistic side of the coin, to everything I saw in real life, it didn't make sense. They were saying such terrible, horrible things, but I'm like, everything I'm seeing is good. I'm not seeing perfection. But everywhere I look, like, I look at all my brothers that are, I was probably the, I don't know if I was the most wild. I probably was. I was probably the most wild of all six of us. And I just look at all of them, and they don't cast stones. They don't, teach to be against any group of people or anything they're just loving and kind with their fair share of mistakes and with their fair share of issues what they teach their kids how they're trying to live is just good i'd look around and i'd say everything i'm seeing i don't know how that antagonistic podcast could say these things you're right bishops have made terrible mistakes and done bad things and been abusive but not very often
0: take any group of people that's as large as the church organization you will find people in any group things like that happen it's a people problem it's not a church problem it's a people problem
1: correct love that i couldn't have said it that's how i would have said it if i would have said it how you just said i love that and that brings up another point it is a people problem people make mistakes judas made a mistake moses it seems made mistakes And all of us everywhere in between make mistakes. Another thing that I just couldn't get out of my mind as I was going back and forth and comparing and learning is it's so easy to tear down. Like these antagonists, it's so easy to tear down and make good people, good families, good humans, good organizations, good churches look bad. It's so easy. To be a critic is the easiest thing in the world. To find bad about them and to tear them down, I feel like that's the easiest thing in the world. But to build up, And to try and create something and teach people good principles, but at the same time, loving them through their mistakes, which is all of us, that's the hard part. Like the critics, the antagonists, they got the easy road. It's so easy to find bad in good things. It's so easy to find bad in good people. That's the easy part. I couldn't make sense of what I was hearing from so much negativity to what I was seeing in my real life's experience, whether it was with my own family and wife or my parents, you know, just so much goodness and love. That doesn't mean that we accept everything about everyone or about ourselves. One of my favorite scriptures is the natural man's an enemy to God. I can't speak to someone who struggles with all the struggles that the church teaches about, but I can tell of my personal struggles and say, I have struggled personally with X, Y, or Z, and it was very natural and normal for me to want or to feel that way, but that didn't mean it wasn't wrong. And I'm so glad that I didn't just give in to what was natural or normal to me and fought that and repented and and worked on that. But I was never made to feel bad. So often, I can't tell you how many times as I watch different antagonistic point of views talk about how they're just trying to make you feel bad. And I never felt that way. I felt the love from people saying, hey, you know, maybe you've made a mistake here. Let's try and be better. But I never felt like someone was condemning me.
0: I can relate to that so much. I was a heroin addict walking into the church like... You know, everyone in my parents' neighborhood knew all I was on the county bookings page, you know, and sure. I never felt like people were like, you don't belong here. You've got track marks on your arms or Ew, you smell like cigarettes like you don't belong here. <laughs> you know, that yeah. never that never yeah. happened to me ever.
1: Yeah. And I, I'm the same way. I never felt that way. Now, that doesn't mean that someone hasn't. Right. That doesn't mean that right, some right. rude rude member or maybe in a very sheltered family that just yep. you know hasn't experienced, anything, maybe told yep. their kids not to spend time with another kid but we have yep. to give them grace as well right we have to say hey maybe right. that mother wasn't trying to make anybody feel bad but she was scared for her own children yeah. and so maybe we have to say you know what if she said some rude things or any to take that even further maybe someone has been treated wrong by a bishop or a relief Mm -hmm. society president or something that may have happened you and i haven't experienced that and someone else may have but the overarching experience from everyone i know seems to be positive now people will say that they just teach such hateful things and i just we can't please everyone under the sun and sometimes we have to just agree to disagree but i just didn't have that experience at all ever
0: so you're you were going through you're reading the books you're going through all of that stuff and then looking very objectively at both sides. And you're thinking, okay, I'm getting fed all this information that these people are awful people, but like the fruits of who these people are does not match up. So that's, that's kind of where we left off.
1: Yeah. So I, I did that all along. I was watching one of their podcasts and it was so ironic. And there was two guys on there. They had a current state presidency member where they lived on their podcast. And they asked him, like, why does so many church members ostracize us and and try to just shun us and not want to talk to us and communicate with us? And almost in the same breath, the other guy mocked the temple ceremony to the state president. I'm like, what do you expect? Right. Uh, and I appreciated some of the historical information they gave on their podcast. But how can you in one breath say someone's not accepting of you or wanting to talk to you or keep you away from their kids and different things? Or from their families or their spouses. Like, I would be willing to talk to that guy just because I'm open and it's easy for me to, I just mm-hmm. am open that way. But my wife probably wouldn't give him two seconds of time because she knows when someone mocks something that's sacred to somebody, that says a lot right. about that person. He asked this guy on and he was totally cordial and nice. And then they mocked him. So I'm like, well, there's your reason. There's why people are probably trying to avoid you. Because mm-hmm. some things they hold most sacred are important to them. You're making fun of. While you're asking them to accept you, Uh, it was just so ironic as I went back and forth and I tried to understand historical data versus their opinions. And so as I I went back and forth through all that massive amount of information, and there's a lot of it, like, I don't know anybody in the high rankings of the church to make recommendations to. But if someone were to ever watch this podcast, I would say, like, be more open. I don't think they had bad intentions. I want to make sure I make that clear. I don't think intentions were bad. I think the intentions were good for whatever reason to protect the church or to protect the members. I mean, I think the intentions were good, but when we teach a whole generation of us that the Book of Mormon was interpreted this way, you know, we actually don't have all the information on the Book of Abraham and you know the statements a lot of statements we made previously we found out, you know, maybe aren't entirely correct. Now we only have about 20% of the of what was the original papyra. So we don't have nearly the information that we need to make a a good decision on the book of Abraham. And I don't want to go down that rabbit hole. But I do want to say that, like, we could just be a little more open, like, trust the members, trust us with the information, that we can make good spiritual decisions because we've had those experiences. My wife and I talked about this. I think the reason people stay in the church is because they've had powerful experiences with the Spirit. I'm going to go on a little bit of a tangent because I understand the antagonistic point would be Hey, every religion feels that, feels good when they hear good things. And I agree. Anyone that's teaching about the Savior, it, the Spirit will be there to testify that. I don't care where you teach it or what religion. If you're teaching truths about Savior, it's going to witness to that. I want to clarify, the Spirit is a very distinct and totally different feeling. Let's talk about the Bible for a second. So the Bible says the fruits of the Spirit are love, joy, peace. We know, we know the scriptures, right? Love, joy, peace, long-suffering, gentleness, goodness, faith. So those are the fruits of the Spirit. The feeling of the Spirit is so distinct. But just like a gift from Heavenly Father, like that distinct impression that he gives to you. And I would say when you know, you know. I think people that have left or hate or have so much animosity and difficulty towards the church, I would say that one of maybe two or three things, one, maybe they never felt that. And that's so sad. That is what in the end keeps me going, o- along with yeah. all the all the hope that my belief gives me, right? The spirit is very separate and distinct from anything I've ever felt. Those strong experiences, that loving spirit that comes from the Heavenly Father, I just think it's just so different. One, they've either never felt that or two, they forgot. And we can even forget those most powerful experiences, especially as we maybe not live how we should in as correct a ways as we should, right? I think it's a totally very distinct, separate feeling from anything else I've ever felt. Hmm. And it's just pure love. I like That's the only way to describe it. Just that powerful, powerful feeling. And so that's what keeps me beyond all the things I made sense of. So back to what I was explaining earlier. So I would go back and forth, back and forth, trying to learn everything I could. My first conclusion I came to is, you know, it seems to make sense that this is something that I get to decide. Like there's no definitive hardline evidence one way or another. There's definitive evidence that lots of our leaders have made mistakes. But from everything I can make sense of, and I tried to look at it just totally from like an analytical and objective point of view. And then I said, I think I get to choose here. Beyond my powerful experiences with Heavenly Father, I get to choose what I want to believe and what I how I want to live. The gospel, it just gives me like endless amounts of hope. To look at my, especially my wife, to look at her and think like the feelings that I have for her and how much I care for her. To think for like a moment that that would end would be like the worst thought I could, I could possibly conjure up in my mind. Like, I can think of a lot of bad things that could happen, but if I had to believe that Heavenly Father created us to have these feelings for people we love, and even my children or my parents or my brothers, to think that that maybe is not the case, I say most specifically with my wife, because lots of Christian denominations, I believe heaven is exactly what they think it's going to be. I think they're going to get there, and they're going to worship and be full of love and life and happiness. I think they're going to get exactly what they want. I really do. I believe that. And I could be wrong. That's just my belief. But for me to think, man, my wife's just going to become my friend one day, you know, just like any anyone else, I just can't imagine that thought. So then I said, okay, well, let's pretend like it is one of the two. Life's over. We're dead. We're gone. Whatever it is, let's say God doesn't live. I lose nothing by believing what I believe if that's the case. So I always say to my wife, my kids, we talk about things all the time, like church, spiritual things. I say, show me a better option and I will listen. But if you're going to give me something that's just no hope, and someone would say, well, maybe it's delusional. That's okay. Like, I have the best life. Like, life is wonderful. Yeah. And I don't think it's just hope. I'm sure of it. But I can't prove it. So someone on the other side would say, well, if you can't prove it, then it's not truth or, you know, it's not, you know, it's not knowledge. But I can say for me personally, I know it without proving it. Go ahead.
0: Yeah. Well, I was just going to say that also, if we look at our life, I was just thinking about this. To have a purpose in your life, to have like a deeper meaning and to have something that's, it's not just about getting a job and working and, you know, providing for the kids and your family, but like to have these like spiritual conversations with my seven-year-old daughter, it just adds this depth to life that is, so beautiful and so meaningful and it makes everything make more sense in my mind and to remove all of the spirituality out of my life would be so it would be it would just feel so simple and so just inconsequential I guess
1: yeah I like that I I totally agree like it just gives me so much hope and happiness. Like not just in the future. Like I don't believe because I think heaven's going to be good. And now it's tough. Like life can be wonderful right now for me. So much of that is how I live and going even farther. Like everything just seems to make so much sense, but it's for some reason or another heavenly father maybe has put like a barrier in communication because he doesn't let us prove it. I've tried to like, think of every way under the sun to be able to like, all right, I'm going to convince everyone because of how, you know, how much it gives me to live this way. And how much it fills my life with everything that I want. Well, literally, I've racked my brain a million times over to try and figure out how to speak what I know. And I just can't come up with the words. I do think Heavenly Father can come up with those words if people allow him to to speak to them. But they have to be you know, willing to try and understand. When you said talking about your daughter, my wife and I were really open with our kids. Because I don't want my kids to have some of the shocks that I had you yes, know, reading all totally. this. our daughter. So right. she's almost 17 and she came to us the other night and was talking about she, and she has her social media. Cause although my wife and I don't do really anything with social media, we're not like, Oh, kids, you can't do it. Uh, Teach their mm-hmm. own. But for us, we're like, no, if our kids want them do it, like, I don't think it's a terrible thing. Yeah. And that's like what the world evolves around right now. It seems anyways, yeah. but we were talking to her and she came to us and she was talking about Joseph Smith and how he'd been married before. And I was like, well, guess what? He was married to, you know, I, I explained all the details to her. And I was like, you either can not compare yourself to him because he lived 200 years ago. And it's really hard to compare our standards today to 200 years ago, but that doesn't even make it right. Let's say he was wrong. I was like, come to me and ask me anything. And I will tell you everything under the sun. And if you're going to learn from the one side, I love that Gracie, go do it. But also try always come to me and mom and talk to us and let us at least give you what we think and try and explain our thoughts. And then you, Gracie, go make your decision on what you think and you believe. And we love that. So on the polygamy thing, my wife and I are like, you know what? Maybe he was commanded to practice polygamy and he went about it wrong. I'm not saying that's what happened, but there's so many details we don't have. We can be okay with that. Does that make sense? Mm -hmm. We can be okay with maybe he was, and maybe he just went about it the wrong way. And, And you know what? Jesus will probably loves him even his mistakes just like he does us yep go ahead i
0: gotta tell you that when i was reading the saints book and my thing came up like i went to my dad and i'm like dad this just is not sitting well with me first of all like it just it doesn't and my dad he pulled out my great 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 grandma's journal and you know i've shared this on previous episodes so i don't want to go all the way into it but he says ashley You wouldn't even be here if it wasn't for polygamy. You wouldn't (laughs) be here. (laughs) And he reads my grandma's journal that talks about how she was so mad about the polygamy thing. But then when they took it back with the manifesto, she was so mad. She was so mad. Like, what the heck? They told us to do this. But then she describes the spiritual witness that confirmed to her. She said it was as if nothing in the world could ever be bad again. If she can keep her faith and she lived it and then they like took it back and she went through all these things, it's way harder for her than me. And yes, the history is messy, but guess what? History is messy in general. And we're trying to piece together all of these things from history and make sense of it. And it's like, it doesn't matter if we're looking at the church or if we're looking at some other group of people in the in history history is just messy. We had Don Bradley on the podcast and he's a church historian. Like he don't oh my gosh, he's like a wizard with Joseph Smith history and everything and just hearing how he does that, how he pieces together history and we're trying to figure it out and it's just, we just are never going to know for sure. So we have to take what we have and just make sense of it. But anyway, that was a huge tangent. So go on.
1: <laughs> yeah. And, and if we did know for sure, would it change anything? You know what I mean? And and right. you're right. We have it way easier today than they did. I mean, I can't imagine the questions. I don't know if it's your grandma or grandma, whoever you said. I can't imagine what she was going through. She's like, wait, I mean, we get mad because the church reverses a policy. Can you imagine right. if they reverse that one? It's messy just like the rest of our lives, right? Like right. heavenly father's perfect mm-hmm. and people think oh then the church should be perfect and never make a mistake just because he's my father and i have heavenly parents there and they love me and they guide my life and they guide my wife and she helps guide our family and guides us in a lot of ways that i don't just because they're involved doesn't mean me and brooke make all the right decisions for our kids yeah we make lots of wrong decisions i hope my kids can look past those and be like, no they are heavenly parents are still involved in their lives and we can love them through whatever imperfections however many are there i just i always go back to like it's so easy to be a critic it's so easy it to point to fault find forever mm-hmm. uh but then when i listen to the leadership teach and when i listen to my wife teach my kids i just can't help but m- everything seems to make sense at that point yep. beyond all the perce- and there are a lot of them perceived mistakes it really frustrated me that when the financial documents came out about the church and there was a statement in there. So there was a statement made in there again. They didn't say who made the statement, but someone, a manager at Enzyme capital, which is the church's financial arm. It was this guy's perspective. So let's make sure we understand that this is secondhand. We're not quoting any from anyone, any of the leadership. I don't believe for a second that the prophets and apostles and leadership of the church are mismanaging the funds. I mean, no one in their right mind after they've and most of them made a lot of money for a long time, and maybe that's for good reason they were affluent. So it wouldn't be a conflict of interest for them to go and manage for the church. But to to sign up to just preach every day till you die, I I, I look forward to, to retirement and having my time. And if I was called, I'd do whatever I was called to do. But to my point earlier is I think we could do a better job of being more open. Everyone already knows that the church is rich. Like, if if someone's going to sue us because they find out we have a couple billion more dollars, they're going to sue us anyways. I don't see it from their perspective. I'm sure there's a lot more behind the scenes on why they're doing what they're doing, and they're trying to make the best professional and spiritual decisions for the church. And to pretend like it's just an easy decision to make or that I'm correct because what I'm saying makes sense to somebody, maybe, I might be wrong. Mm -hmm. My testimonies now is way more confident and powerful and, and stable, a better foundation because I, there's nothing that's hidden from them.
0: I think that this is kind of my thought on that. When we go to church, our focus is on the spiritual aspect of the gospel and we're learning the gospel. And I think that it's our job as parents to a couple episodes ago, we also talked about this with um, Elise that was on, but As our job as parents is to have those hard conversations with our kids, exactly like you did with your daughter, like having these conversations about, you know, the hard things in the church so that they know going to church, I feel like we want to be uplifted. And I think that as parents and like we are the generation that is this happened and I mean, for me, I never didn't know about polygamy. Like I was never blindsided by polygamy ever because I, my ancestors are polygamous. Like I, I just wasn't blindsided by that. And, you know, other things, like, I don't know if it's because my parents told me or if I knew, or if it just didn't bother me, I just wasn't really blindsided by that. And I think that, you know, as we're raising this next generation of children and, um, or if anyone listening to this is like older, like I think it's okay to like have these conversations with your family. Elise was saying in her episode that you know your kids are gonna encounter the c e s letter they're going yep. to because it's on the internet, and you know that's just where it is, and so it's so much better to have the conversation with them than have them hear it from somebody else, you know, like and it's okay to exactly what you said, make the decision. Despite what information is out there that is antagonistic to the church, the fruits of the gospel are so incredible that it's like, yeah, there was polygamy in the past. And I still love and believe in the church. And I still love the prophet Joseph Smith. And I think he's amazing. And he made some mistakes. And I still believe he restored the gospel of Jesus Christ on the earth. Yeah. you know
1: yeah i'm 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 with you 100% i we just got to be more understanding we just need to be able to yeah, be open like and you know what i i forgot to say this earlier that i wanted to say about our kids i think sometimes we used and, and it's all throughout the bible like there's a lot of scare tactic teaching within the bible and in yeah. the book of mormon and in prophets and apostles and Ivy, i'm sure i've taught my kids things to try and like not with bad intentions but almost to make them nervous of the other side. I don't do that anymore. Mm-hmm. I'm like, kids, me and mom, we don't care where you go or what you do. We're teaching you our what we think is best and we want you to live this way. But if you don't, there will be no judgment here. There will be only love. And what, wherever you go, every do, we love you. So we have from eight to 17 almost. And we're just like, like, we want you guys to live and explore and learn everything. And then we're teaching you what we think is best, but we're okay with whatever you do or where you go. And I'm not scared of that. I just think Heavenly Father's way bigger and way more powerful than that. I don't care if it was in one year from now or 1,000 eternities from now. Let's pretend that one of my kids were to stray from the Savior, you know, and let's say it was way beyond mortality. I think if they decided to change in however long from now, I can't help but believe the Heavenly Father and our Heavenly parents and my kids, mortal parents, my wife and I, wouldn't be staying there waiting with open arms, whenever that And I think he's just that good. Right, so we're not scared. Well, we're not nervous.
0: Listen, Go ahead. Listen to the podcast episodes. It's like there is people that have been through so many things like left, came back. You know, they've been through all kinds of things. And the common theme is that they come back and it, it's like they're coming home and they feel that welcomed with open arms feeling and. You know, it doesn't matter where you've been. And obviously we talked about how, you know, you can live through that experience. And like, in my case, I had a really rough learning experience or there's people that can live by faith and they can continue on. But it's like, it doesn't matter what you do or where you go when you come back. It's like, I look through even those times where they were the darkest in my life. And it's like, I see little miracles. God was so aware of me, he still loved me, even though I was a mess. And he's constantly he's aware of his children, regardless of where they're at, even, even the ones that are, you know, attacking us and attacking the temple and attacking the church yep. and in my YouTube comment sections telling me, you know, all the things that I'm doing wrong, like, them too. like, loves yeah, he... and is aware. And so
1: yeah, I love that. I think he does. He loves them more than they'll ever know. Like they might turn around right now and say, I don't believe in him or I hate him. And I hate you guys. But the moment that they decide in the set, and he's not even mad at them, like I've never felt in my life, the heavenly father was even remotely mad at me. I just felt yeah. love all the time. And I, I have felt that, Hey, I've got a better way for you to live that will make you more happy mm-hmm. and more peaceful. No amount of like this like just love. And that's right. all I've ever felt from that yeah he's that way with everyone so however mad they get in the comments or whatever however mad someone gets the church the only thing like he's he is there waiting and i really i believe if it happened in a million years from now if one of his kids decided to change i believe he'd be standing there and anyone else like him would be stand there waiting and just welcoming back like all that disaster from before never even happened he'd just be waiting and yeah. I say he. I think our heavenly parents will be waiting there with love at any point, mm-hmm. and that's now or later or anytime. It doesn't matter. I just think that they just love. I, I know there's people that are going to be so critical of our perspectives, and I respect those opinions. Like you know what I mean? Like so yeah. often I would yeah. read and I would hear things. You know, you hear someone speak in such absolute terms, and like their experience is the only experience. I know there are people that have had lots of tougher experiences than I had, and all I can tell is my experience. That I've struggled with lots of things yeah. and he just waits and loves and that I'm happier now than ever before. The closer I get to him, the happier I am and the better my life seems to be.
0: I love that so much. Is there anything else you want to leave us with just as we're wrapping up here?
1: I think I've said almost everything that I would like to say other than, you know, I appreciate the opportunity to come on the podcast. Yeah. We support you. and We'll continue to support you. We think it's awesome. And there's everything we can do to help. Let us know.
0: Thank you. And let your brother know that I said hi. I will. A lot of people have asked us how they can support the podcast, and we have created a Comeback Podcast merch line on our website, www.comebackpodcast.org. All of the money made from the merch goes right back into the podcast. So if you are interested in supporting the podcast um, and you want to purchase some merch, we would love it. Check it out. Hey, guys. Hey, guys. First off, I want to give you a heartfelt thank you to all of you that support the podcast. We wouldn't be able to get this message out without all of your help, so thank you so much. I've had a few questions come in from people that aren't on social media, so I just wanted to let you guys know that we do have a website. It's www.comebackpodcast.org. You can find all of our episodes here. Um, There's a list of our book club selections, and you can also find us on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, and YouTube. Thanks again. We love you guys so much.